You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to Grow Law Firm Podcast. I have an amazing guest with me here today, Miriam Errington Fisher, an attorney, a law firm owner, a mom of three, and a coach to so many mom attorneys. Miriam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sasha. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. Tell us about your journey. It is kind of unique. Yeah, well, my journey as a lawyer has, it's all been fun, but my journey to become a lawyer really was my dream. I'm one of those kids that watched the movies of the courtroom lawyers and knew from a very early age that's that's what I wanted to do. So I did that. I went through law school and graduated and moved up to the Virginia area. And I uh, worked you know, as a as a criminal lawyer and was really living the dream, trying cases, getting great experience, very, you know, um, fly by the seat of your pants, working seven days a week. And that's what I did for the first few years of my career. And in 2016 is when my, uh, my career took a little bit of a turn. At that time, I was working at a great criminal defense firm in the area, great reputation, really good mentors, getting tons of experience. I had my daughter, I became a mom, and I went through a divorce when my daughter was born. So I became a single mom. So kind of overnight, you know, my entire world changed. And although I really loved what I was doing, practicing law, and I, that's really my calling, the pace that I was going at and the the kind of work schedule that I have was completely unsustainable as a single mom to a newborn. So I did what a lot of lawyers do, which is uh, become an accidental entrepreneur. I resigned from my job and I hung a shingle and started a law practice with absolutely no plan, no capital and no business experience whatsoever. That's insane. And how, how <laughs> it, here's why I say it's insane. So, but I'm sure but, I'm not the first person you talk to. So no, actually, and this is why I said that your journey is kind of different because of the things that your path is a bit different from most others. So, so many lawyers got the entrepreneurial bug, became accidental entrepreneurs, or as another guest said, it entrepreneurial seizure, right? I think that that comes from Emith Attorney book by Michael <laughs> Herbert, right? So entrepreneurial seizure, I decided that I'm going to do it on my own, but your path is unique because you had a very little child and you went through a divorce and instead of staying the course with the existing law firm, where I feel you would probably be more comfortable than starting your own thing, you decide to really turn things upside down and start your own law firm. Thus complicating things even more for yourself, I want to say, right? Yeah. You know, it sounds a little crazy. I keep in mind, I was pretty sleep deprived at that time. So, um, you know, they weren't all totally rational decisions. Uh (laughs) Um, But I think for me is I what I felt at the time was I knew what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to be a lawyer. I, I love love law, love trial work. And I I had certain, you know, very real responsibilities as a mom with a newborn. 
on my own and I wanted to make it all work, but I didn't see how, how it would, you know, I didn't have a model for what that looked like. All of the lawyers that I worked with, all of the lawyers that I knew were working around the clock. You know, most of the, the more senior successful lawyers that I saw, many of them had wives who were stay at home moms or, you know, spouses that were in a more supportive role. I didn't see any, single moms, you know, running practices, trying cases, and also being the kind of parent that I wanted and needed to be, you know, I didn't have backup. But even apart from that, I wanted to, you know, be uh, spend a lot of time with her and, and not be so stressed out and overwhelmed. So I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to do it. And I didn't see any blueprint for that. So I think on some level, I thought, well, if I just go off and, and, kind of figure it out on my own, at least I won't have anybody else to answer to. I'm not going to have to explain to my job what I'm doing and I'll just figure it out and I'll either sink or swim on my own merit, you know, basically. And I think that's as about as much rationale as I had for it at that time. And, and, and I, I did, I did that. I rented some space. I shared space with other lawyers I worked with two other lawyers uh, in kind of like a very loose partnership. How and this is very typical in criminal defense, you know, a couple of lawyers like share an office space and maybe share a receptionist. That was the sort of my arrangement in the beginning. And, you know, for the first few years, I, you know, was focused on bringing in cases. I wasn't really focused on growing the firm necessarily. I was kind of surviving and figuring it out as I went along. And little by little, I started dipping my toe into the business side of things, which, you know, as you know, because you you spent a lot of time working on this and talking on this, you know, running a law firm as a business is in and of itself a full-time job. And not all lawyers do that. We're not taught to do that in law school. And so that was, there was a learning curve there of, you know, reading the books, listening to the podcasts, um, going to business seminars. I joined a mastermind in 2019 and really started stepping outside of just, I'm a lawyer who has an office and started to think, what could I grow this into and build a sustainable business that would allow me to do the work that I love, which is serving my clients in a way that is consistent with the family and home life that I want and also keep growing and keep making more money and being, being a healthy, profitable firm. So it was a progression. It wasn't, uh, I opened doors and knew exactly what I was doing, but once I committed to saying, I'm going to run a business and I'm going to learn how to do this, you know, I slowly started learning how to scale. So hiring staff, creating an organizational flow, uh, creating workflows, delving into marketing, which, you know, when I was a young lawyer, marketing was a very bad word. You didn't market, you just uh, were a really good lawyer. And if you waited 30 years, you'd have a great reputation and a, a, you know, a flow of business. So there was just so much to learn, but it was really fun. And as I started to see the payoff and see, you know, okay, well, if you, if you run it like a business and, and you focus on efficiency and systems, then you can turn around more cases and then you make more money and then you can invest in marketing. And I, I it opened my eyes to 
the possibilities. And so from there, I started thinking, how can I make this into a business, not just for myself, I don't want to just own my own job, but can I create a law firm that is true to the vision that I initially had for myself, and then make it a home for other people? And that's where we are today. You know, we're, we're 10 and growing and we're, uh, you know, women led and a very, very dynamic, very hard charging firm. You know, we, we, we are always growing, uh, you know, very healthy, but also really committed to a woman friendly, family friendly uh, culture, you know, a culture of, of excellence, but also accessibility. Which I would assume is somewhat atypical for a law firm, period. Law firms expect you to work long hours. It is. I would I would go so far as to say it's really countercultural. Yeah. How many years has it been since you started your law firm? Uh, it'll be eight years since I resigned from my practice and started, you know, that first little office. Um, yeah, eight years. I've been practicing for 15 years. So, I, you know, when I did this, I wasn't a brand new lawyer. Um, I had some clients, I you know had some experience, but I was a brand new businesswoman for sure. Yep. So eight years, Dan Strong at your law firm now, two more kids, you're married and you have a dog. I've seen some pictures on your website. Mm-hmm. A lot of things are happening in your life. And you, <laughs> yes. you decide to start, mm-hmm. and you decide to start momasalawyer.com which is a completely separate thing, but it's also so attached to what you do. Hear about that, and why did you decide to add even more things to your plate? (laughs) It's my personality, but remember, in 2016, I was going through a divorce, having a child, and then I also decided that that was the perfect time to start a business. So, um, you know, that's uh, I've got a, a track record of this. So, you know, I, I, I do really love working and I have a lot of energy for work and I'm very proud of my firm and I still actively manage my firm. So I'm, I'm in my firm, you know, four days a week, really managing it. And I have other lawyers now, you know, that are doing a lot of the legal work, but I'm still heavily involved in that firm. Over the years, I, as I started really kind of gaining momentum and, and building my vision for the firm it became a little bit of a talking point in some of my professional circles, particularly with other women lawyers, uh, you know, to back up for a minute, a big inspiration for me in starting my second business was the 2021 American Bar Association study on the state of women. And uh, is the, the Bar Association does a study every two years looking at, you know, how are women uh, functioning in the profession and how are they represented? And in 2021, that was like fresh off of COVID, which, you know, the shutdown and the school closures affected, disproportionately affected women professionals. And in reading those numbers, on some level, I wasn't surprised, but it was really shocking to see in black and white that between 25 and 30% of women attorneys leave the legal field in their 30s and 40s, which is a shocking number. And it's a little disheartening when you look at some of the other data where 50 to 60% of law school graduates are women, which sounds great. It sounds like things are really evening out and equalizing. But then when you have up to a third of them leaving, just when things start getting good, right? In your 30s and 40s, that's when you have experience. That's when you have a book of business. Leaving because of home and family pressures, 
which is what the the study reflected, you're seeing women, you know, being forced out or checking out right before they're getting to that point where they could be leaders, where they could be partners and law firm owners. And so that really synced up with my experience, my anecdotal experience of other women lawyers that I knew. I had several colleagues who, you know, took time off from law when their kids were young because it was so unsustainable because of the culture, the expectations that lawyers are going to work crazy hours and be accessible. And, you know, that hadn't been an option for me. So I had made it work. And I started thinking about, you know, how can I maybe create some resources for other women who need or want to stay in their profession, you know, just to have that option. That's not, I never want anything that I say or write to be construed as, you know, judging people for their choices. But I think that, there should be an option. It should be feasible. And so I started working kind of informally at first with other women lawyers. You know, this is how I structure my schedule. This is how I develop my organization. These are the kinds of technologies and systems that I use to be more profitable so that we can you know, continue to grow, but not work around the clock. And you know how people say sometimes, oh, you should write a book or, you know, you should do this. And eventually I did. And I, I wrote it into a manuscript. It's called Mom's a Lawyer, How to Start a Firm and Take Control of Your Life. And it was published last year. And it was really a passion project. It was really fun to do. It was everything from my own experience. So this was just a blueprint of what I wish I had eight years ago when I started so that I didn't have to you know, learn through trial and error and mistakes. And I felt that, you know, there's a lot of wonderful resources for lawyers starting practices, but so much of it is focused on scaling. You know, you see a lot of how to get to seven figures, how to get to eight figures. But when I was thinking back on, you know, back in 2016, when I was an associate at a law firm, I'm not thinking of those things. I'm thinking of how do you start a business? How do you find an office? How do you hire a paralegal? You know, those sort of beginner things. And so that's what I wanted to to write and create. And also to, you know, hopefully give some model. As I said, I didn't have a blueprint for, you know, a, a family-friendly, women-friendly law firm owner. Uh, so I wanted to to see if I could offer that to some of my colleagues. And so that became the book. I had people reach out to me asking if I did consulting, if I did coaching, I created a digital course. And so it all grew so organically and, you know, really out of my own passion for it. And also I think the obvious need in the profession. And so I, um, you know, I, like I said, I actively manage the firm and then I also coach and consult with women attorneys and law firm owners on either starting a practice I've worked with people who, you know, want to start from scratch, who are leaving a government job or a, a law firm job and want to hang their own shingle. Or also, I've also worked with and work with people who already have law practices and it's not what they wanted it to be or it's not what they need. And they don't really know how to how to start, how to kind of get off that hamster wheel and and make their firm culture what they, you know, reflect their values and reflect their needs. And so that's really just been so much fun and so energizing. And it's a great compliment, 
you know, for me with spending my time in the firm and, you know, keeping focus there and, and staying abreast of all the changes and developments, it's very exciting for me. And also it's so rewarding to work with other, uh, you know, lawyers and law firm owners on you know, helping them kind of create or tweak their firm into what they want it to be. So you just mentioned how to get off the hamster wheel. And one of the posts that they found on your website that they absolutely loved is how to not have mom's guilt, right? How to be a successful attorney mm -hmm. while also managing being a mom. But I was also a single parent, a very responsible single parent for many years. I have a 16-year-old son who my ex-wife and I co-parent. And for a number of years, uh, it was just me. And we would split him 50-50. Mm -hmm. He would be with me half a week. And another half a week, we'll, he would be with his mom. And the parents' guilt. I'm not going to say mom's guilt because the parents' guilt, busy business owner, a busy law firm owner, whatever, mm -hmm. right? There, there is that guilt. Am I there enough during the formative years? Am I there enough now that he is 16? Am I there enough during whatever years? Am I giving him enough of my time, love, affection, share enough stories and lessons with him, et cetera, et cetera. So you wrote a post about it. So I look at you as kind of an expert who's been there, done that, and wrote a post about it. So can you talk about the whole, how do you manage the hamster wheel of running a business or just being a busy attorney in somebody else's business and being a parent? Not necessarily a single parent, but it is also tough being a parent and working full time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, as you mentioned, I'm remarried with more kids now. So, you know, my personal life has evolved and you're absolutely right. I mean, these, these are challenges. They're not specific to single moms and they're not specific to moms. As kind of a side note, when I was working with the publisher on the book, you know, we kind of went back and forth and they said, well, you know, is it, does it need to be just moms? And I thought about it a lot. And I actually, I do work with dads, with parents, and I've had uh, a lot of people reach out about the book um, that are dads. Uh, the reason why I use kind of that terminology and focus is one, because I really wanted to speak to what I knew and I wanted to speak about my own experience. And I also think that although the need is there for everybody, what I also tried to really um, tie, tie my recommendations to the data and make sure that I was as best as I could speaking to the most pressing pain points. And with it, you know, the ABA study, there's other data out there as well from, you know, Department of Labor and things like that. Overwhelmingly, the people who express these concerns are women. So I I don't remember the the, the number of, of men that leave their legal careers. But as I said, for women, it's between 25 and 30%. For men, it's single digits. So it's definitely out there and it's definitely a need. I don't think that it's a mom's problem. I don't, and I don't think that, you know, we should be the only ones worried about it. I just think that presently, those are, that's where the tension is kind of disproportionately put. But anyway, getting back to, to your point about guilt, I mean, it's, it, you know, you, it's being parent is the most important thing, you know, you don't love anything more than you love your child. So it's always going to be on your mind. And as a business owner, you know, perhaps more, you know, not specific to business owners, but as entrepreneurs, we particularly love our businesses, right? I mean, you know, we, we refer that to them as like our child or, the, you know, this is my fourth baby. And part of that is uh, very similar in the sense that it's it's about responsibility. So 
we have an enormous sense of responsibility to our kids for their well-being, for, for raising them. And we also have a huge sense of responsibility to our businesses. We have clients that rely on us. We have employees that rely on us. And so, you know, everywhere I turn in my life, I have a very important responsibility. I have people relying on me, whether it's at home or it's at the office. And so there's always a fear that you're shortchanging someone. When I was very largely pregnant with my first child to the point where it was okay for people to, you know, comment on it in public. I remember a judge saying, um, you know, okay, well, obviously I could see that you're about to have a child. Here's some advice for you. It was a woman judge. And her advice was when you're at home, leave work at home. And when you're at, at work, leave home at home and don't think about home when you're at work and don't think about work when you're at home. And you know, I get that advice. I think that's kind of like a little old school advice, but it it really doesn't work. I mean, what do you do when your kids are sick? What do you do when it's a snow day? What do you do when the, you're getting a, a call from the school because your kid forgot their lunch? I mean, there's like, they intrude upon each other. And so there's a lot of semantics in this field, you know, is it work-life balance or is it work-life integration? I think a lot of that, you know, really doesn't matter. What What the point is, is that everybody has different responsibilities that they have to manage in a way that they can live with. And what has worked for me is integrating those two two things and not separating them, you know, very con- counter to that advice that I received. You know, my clients and my team, they know that I'm, you know, I'm the mom's a lawyer lady. I have three kids. I leave work at 2:40 every day because I pick them up from school. Uh, you know, my last meeting of the day is at two. Um, I don't work on weekends. And, you know, I can go into sort of how we have uh, systems in place in my business to make sure that everything is still being done and clients are still being served. But people know the boundaries that they have on their accessibility to me during the workday. By the same token, my kids know that I work. And so, for the most part, I try to, you know, work primarily while they're in school and give them time, time and attention out of school. That's not a perfect system. You know, sometimes maybe one of my associates is sick and I have to cover court for them. Or if I'm in trial and, you know, maybe they're going to sleep at their grandparents' house. I travel a few times a year for, for work. But you know, because I really make sure that they get enough of what they need, I don't feel guilty about them seeing that I have other responsibilities. And I've always tried to present it to them in a way that, you know, shows that it's important. So, you know, my kids are are five, seven and 15 now, and they've always known that I'm a lawyer, that I help people, that when people have really serious problems, they come to us and we try to help them. And so, on those occasions that I do have to, you know, step away from something or miss something because there's an emergency at work, I think it helps that they uh, they know the why a little bit behind it in an age appropriate way, and you know that that's sort of how I've balanced my own emotions around it is making sure that you know I'm doing what I can to make sure that everybody's needs are being met across the board, but it's not a perfect uh, compartmentalization. As one of the greats put it, simplicity is the highest form of sophistication. So your sophistication there is that you created boundaries within your calendar. And I assume that most of the weeks, you're able to stick to the plan that you have on the calendar. It's really simple. Everybody knows that you leave the office by 2.40 p.m. There could be an occasional emergency where 
an employee mm-hmm. and associate the sick, and you have to go to court for them or something else. But as a rule, you're out of there by 240. As a rule, you do not work on weekends. I think a lot of business owners, and I think this is especially applicable to law because people are just expected to work until they no longer cannot. I think people just do not know when to stop, right? There's always mm-hmm. that work and you can always keep on going and you're never done. So your very simple system where it's 240, 240 to Monday, and you said you only, you're only in the office four days a week. So let's call it Monday through Thursday. It's 2.40 p.m. Miriam is out. Weekends, mm-hmm. if you write me an email, if you call me, do not yep. expect a callback or return email until Monday, right? So very simple, yet very sophisticated. Exactly. That's, that's a perfect way to put it. And uh, when I work with, with lawyers, one of the first objections I get is, oh, this would never work for me. My clients expect me to get back to them. Or, you know, in my field, this is very important. And I actually, I have some scripts in the book of, you know, kind of how to respond to those things. And what I've, I've and I, I believe those things at one point too, but what I've found is that, you know, you, you set those boundaries and people get used to them. And the flip side of that, and I, I emphasize this with my staff, you know, it's not that I just leave at 240 and whatever happens, happens. I have worked for years to build a team, to build systems for our customer service team, for example, we have people in different time zones on different shifts. So, you know, I'm physically not sitting at my desk after 240, but my office is open and we have people answering the phones in other time zones until 7 p.m. our time. We have, you know, backup phone support. Um, we have, you know, a, a client client portal. So there's in the in, in our in our modern times, there are such wonderful technologies. We can use, you know, overseas support. There's, uh, you know, flexible schedules, hybrid schedules. There's all kinds of things that that a business can do to make sure that clients' needs are being met without overburdening any one person. Because the, you know, while I have a high degree of flexibility as the business owner, I also, uh, I, I want a family friendly and a, 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 a positive workplace culture for my team. So even my team members are on different shifts. I have a paralegal who, you know, comes in at seven, but leaves at two because she picks her kids up from school. So it, it really can be a collective effort just with a little bit of attention to that. And then once you have that in place and everyone's being taken care of, then you can put in those boundaries and there's no, there's no downside. There's no harm done. Yeah. And to people who keep on thinking that I can't do that, that would never work in my law firm. The way to really think about it, aside from what Miriam just shared, is emergency room doctors have an end of shift. They could be working 24-7 nonstop. There are always patients coming in. But stop, they do. And so do ER nurses. There is an end of shift and new people come in and take over. So there is no such a thing. I can't do it. Or Mm -hmm. my law firm is different. Or my clients are different. Those are all lies that we have sold ourselves at certain points in our careers. And we all think that if I do this, I'm going to lose business and my paycheck or my profitability or my something else is going to get worse. Not true. All you have to do is follow exactly what Miriam said. Build in the systems and those systems will take care of you and you will get rid of that parent's guilt. The way that I fixed my parent's guilt was also by calendar. 
So there are things that I do every year with now my two kids. And that is, for example, third week of August, there is always father-son's week. We just go without the mom. We just go for a week. Spring break, we will spend together. Weekends, Saturdays, I just don't work. Sundays, we have regimented first part of the day, and then they're free to do whatever it is that they want. So there are certain elements, and there are some days when I'm guilty of working past 7 p.m., but I try not to do that. So I need to, I need to follow your cue and, and put in a more order stop every day of the week, which I don't. I'll get there. Thanks for the advice. Well, I think, yep. you know, like, you know, it, it can evolve. Like I, you know, I wrote the book at this point, I wrote the book like a couple years ago, it came out last year. So my schedule was a little different then. When you have babies and toddlers, you know, they have longer day, they're in daycare all day or they sleep, you know, you can work more right now with elementary school, it's activities and field trips and school projects and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's really demanding after school for my oldest, my 15 year old, you know, he barely needs me (laughs) basically. It's more about that FaceTime, you know, the family trips and the dinners and things like that. But so, you know, as when, when you're a business owner and you're kind of creating your own systems, they can also evolve as your needs evolve. So it's not that you have to, you know, maybe for the rest of my career, I'm not going to leave at 240. Maybe when my kids are older and they're in high school and they're, you know, they don't want to hang out with me after school, then maybe I work until five. So there's flexibility too, but I think you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it, I, I would love to see uh, to see this become the norm because I'm so proud to be a lawyer. I, I think it's such a, a noble profession. Um, the work that I do, criminal defense and immigration, you know, we we help people in through such hard times and I'm really humbled to do it. And I think it's so unfortunate that so many people become so burned out and overwhelmed because of this unsustainable culture in the field. So I am... Um, I, I agree with you. I love the work that you're doing as well. And I, I hope that more lawyers think about, you know, what, how, how can they make their professions or their practices uh, what they need and what they want? Yeah. Thank you. You heard it here. Get the book. Mom is a lawyer. And I assume it's on Amazon. Yes. Yeah. That's the easiest place to get it. It's at Barnes and Noble and some other places, but Amazon is easy. Mom's a lawyer. How to start a firm and take control of your life. Amazing. By the way, if you're a dad, single dad, or not a single dad, any parent who is managing a busy career with family, I think should read the book because some of the insights that you shared just here, just now, and I'm sure it's a tiny fraction of what you have in the book, are incredibly helpful. Just incredibly helpful. Read it, implement it in your life. You will feel less guilt and you will feel more fulfilled as a parent and as a business owner. Thank you. Miriam, was such a blast. How do people connect with you? Where do they find you? If they want to ask more questions, connect with your coaching. I would absolutely love that. I, I, um, I'm always happy to, to talk informally or formally. I'm on all the social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, Miriam Arrington Fisher. And I uh, would love to, to hear from people all over the country. I have some folks in Canada that I've worked with to see how I can help uh, them make their practices what they want. And your website is moms, M-O-M-S-A-Lawyer.com. And there is a wealth of resources. I highly recommend the blog. 
Yes, momsandlawyer.com. Thanks so much, Miriam. Thank you. Thanks so much, Sasha. Thanks for listening to the Grow Law Firm podcast. If you liked the ideas shared in this episode, help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode. This episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction, growlawfirm.com. Do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? Request it at growlawfirm.com slash blueprint.